welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Graham. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. And so for this episode, we're at Lake Manitok, which is a fake lake in Wisconsin. But we live by a real lake. True. called Lake Erie, mm-hmm. which is up against Ohio, <laughs> where we are all from. Have y'all been all been there? I've only been there once. I've not traveled much in Ohio. I'm a very stagnant person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have... So I haven't really been to Lake Erie. I've only been there once with my friend to visit his parents. But I did grow up around a river, Mad River, mm. was extra mad. And there were bodies <laughs> found in it constantly, oh. which is weird because it's only like four feet deep. So unfortunately, yeah. So in Springfield, there's not like a lot of places to dump bodies. So usually they would end up getting dumped in Mad River um, or like the ravine that it kind of connects to. Mad River is actually really big. Like it goes through... Urban. It goes through a couple of towns. Um, there was some, I don't know the whole story, so I'm going to be very general because I don't want to get fact checked. You will all come to learn. I'm definitely an exaggerator. <laughs> but there um, was a string of sex workers that were found mm-hmm. in the river and they just could not figure out who was doing it. I think this would have been quite a while ago, but it turned out it was because it was the cop who was investigating it was... A part of the murders, which I'm not going to get into, but is very topical to this episode. Definitely topical. What about you, Allie? Yeah, I didn't go to Lake Erie much. When I travel, I, like, get the hell out of Ohio. Um, But there's a lake (laughs) up (laughs) north of Columbus that we always went to. And there's a dam there that they had to, like, readjust when I was a kid. And so they had to move a cemetery. But... They couldn't move all the unmarked graves. So for like a decade, they just kept finding old skeletons. So I oddly grew up with a body of water full of skeletons and bodies too. You know, that's so weird that you bring that up because for me growing up, I lived next to a civil, it was, I don't, it was probably a little bit after the Civil War, but within maybe... Antebellum, a, if you will. Uh, yeah, antebellum. <laughs> maybe within a block of my house, there was an old cemetery where the newest grave was maybe from 1910. And mm-hmm. I used to go there at night and read with my little book light when I was in high school because that's just the type of people we all are. <laughs> but as a child, so this was on a cliff. And there was like a little nasty creek that we would go and find dead raccoon bones. Incredible. Normal Ohio. Exactly. But when me and my friends would walk past that cliff, it had eroded so much that you could see the end of the caskets and the see, side See, this of the is cliff. what I thought you were building up to earlier. Really? Oh, yeah. With the, the casket. Why do you have so many like <laughs> river slash corpse related Which is weird because like Springfield is a very landlocked yeah like place there's not a lot of bodies of water they're just like we have two bodies of water let's put all the bodies in them Mm -hmm. yeah as you would yeah oh oh, yes what about you jasper yeah i um i've been to lake erie a couple of times i find it really gross frankly (laughs) um and this is like coming from a person who lived next to lake pontchartrain in louisiana for like a good part of their life but I will say I found some very, very nice uh, sea glass, or I Ooh. guess lake glass, since it's not in the sea, <laughs> um, on the Lake Erie Beach. Um, shout out to Tiny Little Torch Lake, which is off of Lake Michigan, which is actually beautiful. Sunsets there are divine. 
everyone mm-hmm. should go visit it. That sounds so nice. Yeah. I went there a couple of times with my ex's family, and it was Aww. just like Aww. the loveliest little thing. <laughs> so about Lake Erie being disgusting, was it Lake Erie or the Cedar Point tourists that yes. you found disgusting? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, today's episode is season one, episode three, Dead in the Water, the one where the ghost says a cab. This episode was written by Sarah Gamble and Rail Tucker, directed by Kim Manners. It originally aired on September 27th, 2005. Anyway. I love that. So I'm I'm so like, I I love hate this stupid opening sequence with Mm. the Carlton family, like getting ready in the morning. Like, the, the dialogue between the siblings there. Yes, it feels so canned. Yeah, it really does. And also, it's full of untruths. Yes. Are you really trying to sit there and tell me, guys don't like buff girls? Are you kidding? Yeah. Also, what was with the brother's neck? That what? was a whole lot of neck. <laughs> I, uh, you know... Maybe I'm just not the kind of person that notices male physique that much, unless it's exceptional. But uh, I did not notice his neck. He had a lot of it. He had plenty of neck to go around. Maybe he was wearing uh, five push-up bras. Oh, yeah, that's true. He beat my record of four. (laughs) I was very confused in the start because she's in, like, a full tracksuit. And everything's, like, gray and looks so wintry. And then she goes out there in a bikini. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, a pink and blue floral thing. Yes, it just, I don't know. I just was very confused. Yeah, there was a little bit of fashion-related cognitive dissonance. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, so are you, like, exercising? Is this, like, your your workout is swimming laps? Or what's happening here? Yeah, like, wear a little bit you want to wear, but that suit is falling down. Also, this is coming from Allie, who I've never seen wear a winter coat <laughs> in my life. Yeah, if I notice it, it's a problem. Yeah. I haven't gotten mine out this year. I also just love the way they try and, like, prove to us that she's, like, an athlete. So there's, like, the tracksuit first, but then to, like, show that she's a strong swimmer, and I say that with big air quotes, they just have her do, like, three different strokes. Like, she's doing, like, breaststroke, but then she's doing that weird frog thing for a minute. You know what I mean? I'm just like, ah, yes, she is learned in the (laughs) swimmery. I will say, I did like the dissonance they set up from like this whole yeah carlton family values kind of intro (laughs) into like the immediate death yeah it it was jarring in a good way i like that kill those fuckers i'm actually gonna say i think out of the three episodes this one has been my favorite i'm not gonna go too much into it (gasps) because i'll save it with the rating and i'll tell you why this is just like the most monster tv episode they've had yet like it starts with a threat builds with you you know you you come in you interview the townies threat intensifies consequences big scene it's very much like a to b to c and that's what i want out of my monster tv shows yeah no i get that it does have a very formulaic thing like like you literally don't need to have seen any episode of supernatural to watch episode three that's why i hate it because it feels so removed and we're just like let's murder these people we kind of learned to care about like we're not taught that sh- like she's a young teenager i'm assuming like she doesn't yeah. seem 18. like an adult yeah. and she's instantly murdered i was talking about that disposability of women true oh, yeah. <laughs> right back there i'm surprised she was the only woman who died in this episode 
Yeah. Well, they made up for it by having Amy Acker naked. True. Okay, I will say, though, <laughs> I'm not the type of person who nitpicks. But like I said, I haven't seen the show before, so it's just kind of, to me, it's like in the forefront whenever there's like a little plot hole or something. But when they, she was in the bathtub, she gets dragged out. You get a big shot of her gray grandma panties. Yes. <laughs> Did you notice that? No. And I swear at the beginning of this, when they're showing the sun in front of the lake before he gets drowned, I swear you see a boom mic drop too low for a split really? second. Okay, but I love the kind of boom mic stuff. <laughs> I, I love when there's stupid errors like that. That is so funny and like humanizing. Mm, I'm like, that's fair. yes, this is a thing made by people. And that makes me feel like very endeared to it, I guess. Oh, I'm like, this isn't good enough. <laughs> that was your job. I guess, I guess where I draw the line is sort of like this is something that's going on at the beginning mm, of making yeah. this project. I'm less impressed or endeared by like in the final season of Game of Thrones. The Starbucks there's cup. a Starbucks yes. cup after they've spent years like establishing <laughs> that they're very technically yeah. um, adept. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Amy Acker. Yeah, please do. I don't I, know her. I love her. Mm-hmm. She's, I, I'm not usually into, like, the Joss Whedon faves club, um, but I feel like she has a pretty good range within, like, the work that she's been cast in. Like, she tends to play a little bit of a more sarcastic mm. character, but within different kinds of roles. I don't know. Like, in uh, Angel, she's fred the she's like a scientist yeah she is a scientist who got locked in another dimension (laughs) who they find oh yeah 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 and she does like the um ghost science or whatever that brings spike back to life yeah but that's a whole nother thing but so anyway so amy acker is like very you know lovely and talented and all this stuff so it's just like weird to see her Mm -hmm. in this role where she's uh, basically, like, one-dimensional. Yes. She's anxiety mom, the character. I, I'm just like, wow, you had, like, a talented woman. Mm-hmm. I think she's anxiety mom, but she's also terrible at it. Like, I'm sorry, but if someone who was from out of town with his quote-unquote brother comes up and is like, oh, don't worry, I'm not here to talk to you at the park. I'm here to talk to your son. Yeah. Red flag. Red flag. That would be weird. Well, mm-hmm. so I don't know. So she was anxiety mom, but um, she was also really confident, especially in her interactions with Dean, which is a little weird for someone whose husband just died. Yes. Well, he didn't well. just die. But it was less than a year. Was it less? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because uh-huh. I, I had to calculate it and I was like, there's no way her husband just died. Oh, yeah. She was single well, and ready to, to me, mingle. Yes. To me, I felt like she was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like giving him the brush off because... And I, I think, like, mm-hmm. with the death of her husband being closer than I remembered, that makes even more sense because she's still recovering from those intense emotions. Like, she's probably older than him, too, was the sense that I got. Yeah. Like, she carries herself like an adult more than Dean. Also, I think she probably, after his attempt to flirt with her, oh my gosh. probably really de-intimidated him to her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for real. That was weak. Oh, once again, Dean has no game. No game. No game. <laughs> I like how he can connect with children. He yeah. can connect with men. And then women, he tries to because he's... He should. 
supposed to from society, but he can't. I want to say, I do want to backtrack just slightly before yes. we meet Amy Acker's character. That, like, rock and roll transition that is so <laughs> abrasive. Yeah, especially with, like, the sort of, the kind of quietude of of the intro at the very yeah. end of it. It's very, very still. Something that I um, really love about this episode is like the super loud um truck sound as it drives by yes i feel like that's something that's so like because they're right by the highway or whatever but every time i hear that kind of noise all i can think of is um nick cage's the wicker man (laughs) that reboot where he keeps having all the the like trauma flashbacks about the (laughs) the semi trucks driving by it just puts me in a good mood to see that yeah inside the diner too that was (laughs) that was some juicy for ripping apart interacting as well like leave people alone when they're working also i feel like that scene we already had like the awkward hitting on moment between him and amy acker i guess like the only point of that scene was to be like hey we don't have to be so serious we can have fun Mm. but at its core i don't feel like it was even needed in this episode yeah Oh, him, like, ogling the the server. It just feels so forced. I don't know. I get that they're trying to push that he's a ladies' man. Yeah, but they immediately deconstruct it. Because throughout the whole narrative um, and, like, all of the interactions with Sam and Dean, what what is the the daughter's actual name? Well, Amy Acker's character and Lucas. The person who's interacting with the mom is Sam. The whole time, Mm. Sam is the one who pulls her out of the tub, even, uh, despite the fact that there's that, like, awkward flirting thing that Dean tries to do. Dean is, like, glued to the little kid. So, like, even though they set it up the whole, like, oh, he's such, like, you know, a womanizer or whatever, he is completely not interested in her. And also, despite the very, very uncomfortable, weirdly wet, chased mouth kiss at the end, <laughs> like, there there really isn't, a, like, a getting the girl thing, as mm-hmm. much as there wasn't in the previous episode. Because Which I'm thankful for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, on the one hand, yeah, not necessary, but I do like it being there so that it can immediately contradict itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It being the ogling the server sexualization i also kind of wondered with that scene if like there was another so dean immediately was like to sam said that that is fun like this is what we're supposed to be doing i almost kind of wonder if he was trying to get the waitress's attention for sam if yeah, yeah. that makes sense because it feels like a wingman but like calm down dude yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so maybe it's like oh you know you're grieving still mm-hmm. it's my, I, in my mind it was like a little bit of an ode to sam maybe still grieving and dean yeah. kind of so i like that there was a maybe i take back my opinion of getting rid of that scene there was like multiple layers we got some some bro moment and we also got the deconstruction of dean's game so that was nice yeah I remember the big focal point of the table in the diner mm-hmm. scene was the newspaper because that's yeah. where we were doing mm-hmm. the research, which that's what I want. I love a good research. And they mm-hmm. they really got into it pretty quickly in this episode, too, which I appreciated. No nonsense. No yeah, nonsense. They were just to the monster hunting. Speaking of which, I tried to do research myself. Oh, yeah. 
This one, so it's just a vengeful spirit, um, which is general. And we know they're in Lake Manitowoc, Wisconsin, which is not real. But there is a Manitowoc, Wisconsin, which just has an extra OW in it. Um, So I'm just going to pretend they're the same and assume they based it off of that. And especially since it's connected to like Michigan. So in this lake, I found it so interesting and I wish the show had used this. I think it would have been a lot more engaging. Mm -hmm. So many people have died and they call it like the legend of Lake Michigan Triangle, like the Bermuda Triangle. I love that. I love it so much. And, like, in 1860, a ship sank and killed 300 people on board. In 1891, a three-mast ship had made this this trip several times, raises the flag in alarm, and by the time the lifeboat gets there, there is no ship or people ever found or any traces. Yikes! To this day. In 1958, a ship splits in two. In 1937... Wait, like an egg? that's yeah the hole just splits in two just splits in two what they do hit the hit the fucking iceberg that the titanic bumped (laughs) into like icebergs of lake michigan yeah the icebergs (laughs) of lake michigan like how oh this one's my favorite in 1937 a captain locks himself in the cabin Mm -hmm. like gets a little rest a few hours later the crew has to break open the cabin door it Mm -hmm. is locked from the inside and there is never a trace of him again and then even in 2006, a ship was found, um, I think it had collided with another, but it's found in 165 feet of water, and they cannot tell how it sunk. They have no idea why this ship sunk. Must be the iceberg. Must be the iceberg. <laughs> the invisible iceberg. Yeah, you know. That it's, does uh, the damage. It's, it's, it's all under the water, Allie, yeah. of course. <laughs> but to all of this in one little triangle in the Lake Michigan? I had no idea. Jordan, you said you've heard of it. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure, like, this has kind of become... So I don't have much to add. I think Allie pretty much covered it. But I, if you watch, like, documentaries like Unsolved Mystery or, like, any type of ghost-type shows, this always ends up coming up. So if you do research, I'm sure you'll mm-hmm. find some great hauntings or things around there. I think that whole area in Michigan is supposed to be what people consider to be, like, active... So mm-hmm. definitely something I would look up. Yeah. And I wish, I think it'd be so interesting if that came up. Now, I don't blame them because obviously like you can write whatever. And there are um, vengeful ghosts in history, but specifically the ones I kept coming across were Japanese vengeful ghosts. And so basically it was someone who was wronged in life or had a perceived wrong. They were obsessed with vengeance when they died. Um, and they'd often like have marks from how they died on them still visible and they would come back to get revenge, but they could also cause plague, famine, natural disasters, which I love when they have that because we like explaining those natural things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no real solution. You either defeat them or they get revenge. It's also pretty interesting because this would have been the late 90s to the mid 2000s is when we had the Japanese and American remake of The Ring. Yes. The Grudge. Like, this was a very popular kind of horror story at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, and even visually, the um, the ghost of Peter in the lake yep. is very reminiscent of the ghost in The Grudge, I yes. think. Yes, I, like, that was with my the, first thought with as the well. long bangs, bowl-cut hair, and mm-hmm. the sort of gray skin. 
Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the American Grudge movie came out in like 2004. I might be a little wrong. Yeah. So this I'm not been... totally sure. Um, it had to be around that era, though. Yeah. I watched the Japanese version re- mm-hmm. recently, which I want to say was 99. Yeah, I think this is the era when we were obsessed with that, like making Japanese films and other Asian countries style of horror. So I do think they definitely draw it on that. I They didn't mention it, which is weird to me. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The Grudge uh, was in 2004. Nice. If you cannot tell, we watch a lot of horror movies. <laughs> the Ring was specifically a water spirit as well. So. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. And yeah, visually, mm-hmm. the the Ring and the Grudge, both of those ghosts, are they look very similar. Yes. It's just like a different gender thing. Yeah, and I think the child, it being a child's also interesting. Yeah. Because um, we don't often think of vengeful children. I will say, which sounds more fun, being a 50-something-year-old or a revengeful water spirit for, like, 35 years? Water spirit. Yeah. Yeah. All day. I felt bad for the child, but I was like, mm, I would I would like to dabble in being a revenge water spirit for a little bit. Like, drown some fuckers in the lake? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd rather be that, it. like, than Especially, like, when you can start getting into <laughs> people's houses. When he drowned the mr thickneck i don't remember his name uh will carlton will carlton that literally took like two seconds to drown that motherfucker i have something to say about that please do so in that scene when he goes to the sink to like make food for himself and Mm -hmm. his dad and he he has the thing that he's prepping Straight up, I thought it was a potato. (gasps) And then when he starts cutting into Mm -hmm. it and it's like soft and weird, I still think it's a potato until they (laughs) change the the shot. Yeah, Yeah. and you can see the other fish on the side. But I was just so disturbed by the texture of that potato. (laughs) I was like, Will, do not feed that to your father. He's already grieving. Just leave him alone. But then, you know, it was just a fish, so. Nothing like grieving and having potato <laughs> diarrhea. I would rather be murdered in that muddy water than have to deal with those gross-ass fish. Uh, that uh, was the nightmare for I me. I don't understand with prepping the fish? fish. Yes. But they're already dead, Oh, Ali. it doesn't matter. They're still fish. You don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. Filleted. I don't know. I was like, yeah, I'd jump in that water if it meant getting away. You're like, just kill me now. Yeah. <laughs> Get me away from these guys. I will say, too, I had my sink back up about a couple months ago. (laughs) My thought was not like, hmm, this is disgusting. Let's put my hand down it. Right? I went and got a plunger. Right? It went much better than that, I will say. Okay, like, whose fucking first thought is to stick their, not just their hand, but their whole fucking arm? He's, like, down to the shoulder in there. That was, like, like, a basement sink. That's disgusting, yeah. okay? The color of that water is wrong. Second off, do you not watch horror? Like, I know, like, we mm-hmm. watch a lot of horror. We're very tuned in to what, you know, you know, what you don't do and what you can do acceptably and not die in a horror situation. You know, you never stick your arm down the sink. I, I would. That only ends 
badly. He's just lucky he didn't have a fucking garbage disposal. Yeah. I would immediately stick my whole arm in the sink. Allie! I would be the one. Because to me, I'd just be like, well, I have to solve this problem. And my mind would instantly go there and oh, I'd be God. the one murdered. Well, next time, grab a plunger. Yeah. I'm yeah. learning how to adult. So. Yeah. Just, yeah. just keep the plunger near the sink. The sink. Yes. Got it. Please don't get horror movie murdered by your nasty <laughs> sink. Please Especially don't do it. Especially when mine backed up, it was my garbage disposal. Oh, just yeah. Just to tell you, it's no, no, no. stinky. You don't want to put your arm in Ugh. that. I just have an intense fear of getting chopped up by mm-hmm. rotating blades <gasps> like oh, that. I think that's a fair Did fear. you not consider that, Allie? No, my partner. Oh, God. When he's running the garbage disposal, he'll no, put no. stuff into the bottom, but if, like, it can't go through the... No. He'll push it down no! with his hand. With his hand? And I had to be like, oh my god, you're gonna die. Like, never do... Like, how many times have we seen that happen? How many times? And just no fear. Like, that's the sign of a white man. No fear <laughs> sticking like, their hand nothing in. Nothing can take me out. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. Rough. That's rough. Yeah, that ghost said fuck that family. Mm-hmm, that yeah. is for sure. I was really interested in how it seemed like there was going to be, you know, you're talking about, like, revenge ghosts mm-hmm. uh, in, like, a specific area. Oftentimes they're, like, explaining, like, you know, unexplainable occurrences. Yes. Yes. So I was thinking at the beginning of this episode, there's all this talk about the dam and whatever, and they do touch back on that. They're like oh, yeah, the ghost is suddenly killing a lot of people because it doesn't have a lot of time left because Mm -hmm. of the dam. Which, first of all, I guess, like, the ghost is in some sort of, like, you know, ghost murder period scheme, and he's got to, like, complete (laughs) some sort of quota by the end of the month, and that's just the driving force, which... I also, like, specifically waiting 35 years. So, I don't think it was... I kind of wonder if it was like the lake's getting disturbed, it's being drained out, mm. that could awaken the activity. Oh, that's fair. But then the ghost is like, shit, I'm probably not going to exist when this lake doesn't exist anymore. And the it said that the lake was his way to get into people's houses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I totally follow that. I'm just saying, I'm just like the amount of critical thinking that it's like a perpetually 12 year old murder focused spiritual entity has to do in order to come to that conclusion is just wild to me but but i was expecting it to yeah it was a lot it was weirdly Mm -hmm. a lot i was expecting it to be more of like an environmentalist take yeah especially because they're like oh it's gonna destroy the lake and the environment it's gonna kill our economy and the government doesn't care and like all this stuff it was just like a really heavy dialogue moment Mm -hmm. right at the beginning and then they're just like yeah whatever (laughs) you know who cares i never touched on again yeah i almost wonder if the writers that was their original plan was to like go that route and they were like we can't pull this off Mm. and they just decided okay now just going with the ghost (laughs) it just felt so like weirdly placed because i thought they were going that way too i'm like oh that's cool to see like social commentary on how how we treat the world would affect like the ghosts and spirits and entities in it and then they're like yeah this is too much (laughs) (laughs) we'll go the easy way out a kid got murdered (laughs) it's not social natural social natural what (laughs) i don't even know i do know though speaking of like the setup and exposition that old lady that they visited was not going for an oscar (laughs) that acting was rough i 
was more interested in, you know, she was just like really taking it all in stride. Yeah. She yeah. was like, two strange young men want to talk to me about my 35 years dead 12 year old child. Totally normal. And who doesn't move? Like, how is everyone in the same location? People yeah. without the socioeconomic oh, ability. That's true. I don't know how else was nice. Who See, I, I want social natural. The commentary. <laughs> That's our show, Allie. <laughs> Damn it, rebrand time. <laughs> I just kind of thought this was a blah episode. Yeah, I guess, honestly, I'm like looking at my notes and most are just quips and jokes. I didn't honestly have much commentary about the plot or what was going on. And I guess that's kind of telling. Yeah, I a lot of my thoughts are character notes. Like, yeah, because um, yeah. this is a character establishing mm-hmm. episode for Dean. Yes. Again, <laughs> um, which I find kind of funny because they start us off in the pilot episode and our entry point into the series, into the narrative is Sam. Mm-hmm. But immediately they're like, mm, no, this is the Dean show now. I don't know. I just think it's it's kind of funny. Well, even in the second episode, I wonder if it's just, I don't know, Dean has, like, just a presence in this series. I feel like Sam hasn't really got yet, because in the second episode, they were trying, it was supposed to be Sam's narrative as well, and it was very narrative-driven for Sam's character. Like, we had the funeral scene, Mm -hmm. but through, like, him grieving and kind of being more aggressive and taking on the Dean role, it kind of made Dean grow more Mm -hmm. from that scenario. yeah. I think he's just a show stealer. Dean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and part of that, I think, has to do with the fact that Dean and Sam are loosely based on the characters Dean and Sal from On the Road. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our podcast name. <laughs> um, and Dean uh, Moriarty in On the Road is like a, like a point of, of like gravity. That everyone gets sucked into, like, has, like, a particular charisma, and Sal is more of, like, a follower and, like, an observer character, which I think they they don't limit Sam to, to that at all in this show, but importing that kind of yeah the just really intense charisma it's like focus on it's, it's gonna have an effect i will say the dean like sal relationship from on the road again actually i do see a lot in this episode because mm. sam's development so in this episode dean opens up about his trauma mm-hmm. to a child to relate to that child and yeah. sam witnesses this and then later was like i didn't know about this like do you want to talk mm-hmm. about this to which dean is like we're not gonna hug or some kind of quip (laughs) yeah yeah i do think that through dean's development we do see sam's Mm -hmm. development as well too in this episode yeah we're gonna see that like sam is surprised and is having sam related eyebrow waggling so much Mm -hmm. because like despite how you know we talk about they try in like the first couple of scenes of every episode to establish Dean as like one kind of character, like one kind mm-hmm. of masculinity, they then almost always turn it around and Sam's like, well, I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm like, do you like pay attention? You were in close quarters together for like 18 years. <laughs> I do like how it shows that like Sam doesn't know who Dean is today though. 
True. Because, like, he only knows this old version and this, um, like, reflection of his dad. And now without the dad, he can be his own. Well, true, true, true. Plus, like, Dean kind of was a parent to Sam is, like, mm-hmm. what I'm getting. So yeah. I think that comes with a lot of... There's some distance there. Yeah. You can't always, like... Like, your parents aren't necessarily, like, your closest friend mm-hmm. until much later, until your adulthood. And even then, you know, like, you need them to <clears throat> keep some distance in order to still complete that parental role for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, it makes me think of, like, how everyone now is like, oh, I'm the main character. Sam is not the main character. Yeah. <laughs> like, no matter how much development we get with him, he just doesn't have that vibe. No, I agree. And, like, it's it's all the other characters that, that talk about the two of them, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say, um, when they were having that heart-to-heart in the car, the green screen windows. Oh, my oh. God. Oh. You could see, like, the blurry line around Jared's hair. It was like, so funny. <laughs> I could feel myself go cross-eyed during that yeah. scene. I just tried to, like, not... I was like, this is the same exercise that I do when I'm in a car so I don't throw up. <laughs> Just look at other people. Don't look out the window. Yeah. Okay, but also the CGI when um the dad ends up dying in the water. Oh, and, and the, the boat flip. flips. And then it's like, it looks like just a foam body is chucked on her way. I fucking love that. It's so funny. Modern TV is still bad about that. Like the yeah. Wonder Woman movie we just watched. Oh, God. Where like the child, she like saves a child from getting hit mm-hmm. by a bus. Like you immediately see her rolling with like a... A stuffed on uh, Like, yeah, it's so bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, like... I don't mind that kind of stuff in this kind of show. Yeah. Like I said earlier, it's I find it endearing. It's mm-hmm. part of the charm. It's like, it's campy, whatever. I don't know that it's really the best look for like... Multi-million dollar movies. Yeah. Especially like in the superhero genre where the whole thing mm. is about how polished and cool it looks. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> whatever though. <laughs> yeah, I have to keep reminding myself that this is CW because I always forget. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially early on CW. Like, I don't know anything else that was airing with it back then. Um, Vampire Diaries? Vampire Diaries oh, would have been a couple that. years after. I think it would have well, been. Well, I mean, it still would have been concurrent. Yeah, it mm-hmm. would have been. And then all of the Vampire Diaries spinoffs, which oh are still God. going on. Yeah, I thought the original's completed. The original's completed, but now we have the legacies. Oh, my fucking God. I started watching that and didn't know it was part of anything. Oh. I was very confused. Incredible. I've never seen it, unfortunately. Well, probably fortunately. Fortunate. fortunate. I think that's fortunate. Yeah. I was going to say, though, a show for good CW um, special effects is Roswell, New Mexico, which I'm going to shout out again. <laughs> yeah. They do. They have really cool, like, the alien mm-hmm. technology stuff has this sort of, like, semi-translucent, opalescent, kind of shimmery mm. thing. It looks very good. I like it. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't I don't hate the special effects on the show. I think in in both the other episodes I've pointed out like it's not that bad. It's honestly. not that bad. I just don't Well, so enjoy we also have to look most. at this period too mm-hmm. in um like television and film. Um so Lord of the Rings, the first one was 99, I think. Yeah. And then the last oh, one wow. ended in like 2000, was it 2004 was Return of the King? Ooh, I don't Probably know. Probably around then. Well, so but around then. The yeah. thing about Lord of the Rings, though, is it kind of created, like, this standard that everything is supposed to be CGI'd. Yeah. Because its CGI was so good. So, like, um... Well, that's because they were very picky about what yes. was and wasn't mm-hmm. CGI, though. Um, but real effects, like, kind of started... Like, they're coming back now. Yeah. 
but at this time like in the mid 2000s like you did not get real effects in no. television no. anymore yeah like it was so popular to convert everything to cgi yeah. when i think we're finally getting back to like what looks best and what is most practical to be real or cgi it was yeah. probably a lot cheaper too. yeah yeah uh, i think you know with practical effects the problem is that um a lot of those skills like things like puppeteering mm. for example that's you need like a an artist for mm-hmm. that like the people who make the puppets and people who know how to operate them and make them look lifelike or you know whatever you know using lord of the rings as an example again uh while a workshop made all of those crazy sets like the weathertop hill like that was all like really beautifully carved mm-hmm. i honestly want to say it was like foam and then it was painted and stuff like that it wasn't like super heavy or super complicated in terms of material but but you have to have the people who know how to do that yeah. like those are crafts people and that's an expense and that's why we have so much fucking shitty cgi <laughs> bullshit yep. to slightly backpedal or backtrack uh lord of the rings return of the king was in 2003 that's when okay. that was released Ooh. so yeah it, it would have been it's that time it's that time I think most of my notes are just about how beautiful Amy Acker is. <laughs> She's so pretty. I just hate that, they, like, they damselized her yes. so intensely. Yeah. Like, does she have to be naked? Like, why can't that be... They could have had, like, a scene of her... Like, I don't know. She could have been giving her kid a bath. Or, like... Yeah. She could have been... Like doing laundry, I don't know. Like so people don't I actually use wash don't think she anymore. was naked. I wrote down that she was a never nude. <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, because of the panties. <laughs> it was really impressive though that they had her thrashing in that tub a lot, but they like literally never see anything other than her back and like her legs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until C- Sam pulls her out. Yeah. yeah. You get a little bit of cleavage, but. That's yeah it. yeah there was like one floating boob at some point but barely and this this scene too again i don't want to get too technical but just a quick rundown of how this scene happened she walks home she's like what are you still doing up to her kid who was drawing at night she goes to take a bath immediately after telling him to go to bed at night dean and sam come at night to <laughs> rescue her and then she is now sitting at her coffee or like having her coffee or tea or whatever in the morning, still soaking wet. Was she wet? Her hair was wet. Oh, I thought it was dry. I, th- I thought it was dry. It could have just been like the had not been like brushed out. Yeah, that's what I thought it but was. But it looked kind of wet to me. So I don't know. It was kind of weird. Her eyelashes, though, so long. <sighs> so long. And her like uh, her little nose. I love her <laughs> nose. She's just so pretty. And mm-hmm. and like her teeth are really nice. Amy Acker, Allie's looking at me like I'm absolutely insane. I don't her, <laughs> her teeth are not perfectly straight, but I think it's cute. Yeah. I think it definitely fits. I'm, I'm not her. talking perfectly straight. Yeah. You know? You know, not everybody can afford I just that. don't like the button noses because I have one. She her nose is much longer. It has like oh, the, that's the fair. Also, it has, like, the cleft in the it front. It does, yeah. Which, yeah. I, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with that, but I am. <laughs> I'm obsessed. It reminds me of, um, who else has that that's, like, a notable face? Lana Del Rey, um, I think. I think she has that. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar might actually mm-hmm. also have it. Yep, Sarah Michelle is known for her nose, too. Is she? I, I don't I know. I guess it's a very unique nose. It's yeah. very unique. Anyway... Sarah Michelle is also very pretty. I love girls. 
so I think this is kind of where so she's having they're kind of talking inside and that's when the cop starts to come up Mm -hmm. as well and of course if the world has taught us anything don't ever trust a cop no no yeah and actually that's something that so far cops have just been we don't like him in yeah. this show. And I think for a while, that's the case. Like, straight up, he's the villain in this. And he has mm-hmm. big villain vibes from the second yeah. they start talking to him. He's all like, oh, my little town. Dur, dur, dur. Like, you can just tell he's going to be the bad guy. But, like, in the previous episode, I guess Roy wasn't a cop. He was, like, a, like a, a but he was an authority figure. Mm-hmm. But he, mm-hmm. so he was an antagonist. He seemed like mil- ex-military, is yeah. what I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the first episode, the cops are just bumbling and ineffectual, you know? Yeah, I think it takes on the, like, stupid cop trope, but I'm more okay with that than glorification of a cop. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So... I, like, totally, I totally like the um, perception of cops in mm-hmm. these episodes so far. Because, like, you know, why would they have any need to know about supernatural things or whatever? Mm -hmm. So they're not going to be helpful, and they're mostly going to be in the way because of the way the boys have to sneak around and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also, too, liked kind of the resolution, because I was expecting Mm -hmm. it to go the typical route, kind of like they did in the first episode. Like, they didn't do it in the first episode, but it was mentioned like, I thought they were going to try and dig up the body. I thought that's what was happening when they pulled the bike out and they're like, burn the body, burn the ghost. But instead, just give the cop to it. That'll solve it. Yeah. yeah. I'm really interested in the kind of moral system that sets up yes. for this show, especially very early on. This sort of like like giving of life to save mm-hmm. life, in the, like the sacrificial aspects of it. Um, and I can't remember... When exactly is the next time we see that kind of um, idea pop up? But it is, like, a a recurring one. Mm -hmm. Well, especially the first ghost, too. Like, how they got rid of her was she had to meet her revenge. Like, she killed her children. Mm -hmm. She had to go face her children. And then we see that Mm -hmm. theme repeated here with the cop. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, paying for your mistakes in this. And I think it's interesting because... I always would assume, like, going into it, that Sam was the one who was more morally, like, in the clear. But he keeps saying, like, Dean, don't you just want to leave? Like, let's go find Dad. Yeah, that's something that I noted about this episode, too, is that while Sam has his, like, therapy voice on and he's very, like, soft-spoken, mm-hmm. he's um he's really straight to the point and pretty objective with people. Like, the dad, the Bill Carlton guy, is yeah. like, I don't want to talk to anyone and Sam is like, well, I'm going to keep talking to you right now. Like, mm-hmm. he he's not aggressive, but he is very detached mm-hmm. from the yeah. situation in, um, in a way that Dean is not because he's made everything mm-hmm. very personal. Yes. Yeah, and I like that role reversal because Dean is the one who is more emotional. But then Sam, like, even though he can talk the talk, he is just very, like, dry and flat when it comes to emotions and losing his girlfriend and everything going on for mm-hmm. him. I will say Sam does seem to be coming around a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think we kind of see that. So I think in the very second episode, Sam was like, I don't want anything to do with this. We're on a mission to find our dad. Our dad's not here. Like, let's move on. And this, I kind of see, Sam sees how much this means to Dean and how, mm-hmm. like, important it is for Dean to save these people. So Sam's like... 
okay, fine. Yeah, yeah I think it's interesting because Dean takes on the, like, we save them because we save them, when mm-hmm. Sam's more the ideology of, like, well, we need to help our dad, so that's priority, and these people, they can be on their own and handle it. Yeah, or Des- not. despite having alluded to Sam uh, having the difficult relationship with John. Yes. Mm-hmm, he's yes. much more concerned about where John is, although it's not out of concern for John. Yeah, really. that's true. So there is that. Yeah, I think a guilt plays a lot yeah, into yeah, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I have is about the end of the episode. I mm. do like the big emphasis on hard rock and we eat a last line. Dean says to Lucas is like, now tell me that phrase Zeppelin rules oh yeah Zeppelin or... rules but then it immediately goes into like some half ass counting crows <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah like, pop, yeah pop rock almost oh yeah god. it's the I'm like 15 and I hate my dad mm-hmm. rock yeah I guess yeah they're definitely trying to appeal to the audience and not mm-hmm. the characters in that moment I know so I mentioned this before but that fucking that weird ass kiss oh the wet yeah like the wet mouth kiss was very like chaste but also loud i didn't under like as someone who sometimes isn't always certain what is going on in interactions with people just due to brain things that that scene haunts me (laughs) i'm left so confused and upset by it i wish she had kissed him on the cheek because it felt more platonic yeah it felt like weird and felt like the writers were pushing this like more romance centered and it's she just lost her husband she just lost her father and her son is watching this yeah like i feel like a kiss on the cheek would be totally appropriate still hint at the like projected romance and it would be a lot sweeter than this gross yeah it must have been a gross kiss because i don't even remember it i don't (laughs) even remember it happening it just it just is seared into my brain yeah it's like the the kind of kiss you give like a long-term significant other when they're leaving for the day Mm -hmm. and because they literally have known each other for like only three or four days i was just like ugh it kind of reminded me of um like those married at first sight kisses or like married and never been kissed kisses on tlc like i have no idea what you're talking about my i i've seen clips online i've never even watched it but it looks like two people who have never kissed before having to kiss in front of their loved ones i'm sure that's what that was (laughs) (laughs) it was like they did one take and that was it yeah like perfect Mm, we don't want to keep doing this yeah (laughs) just the one time hate that old trope of like save the day get the girl yeah it's so stupid yeah well that's that's what i mean was saying earlier like about they spend the whole episode Mm -hmm. deconstructing that only to tack that on at the end so it's just very like why Mm -hmm. like they could have just done what they did before it's okay we forgive you this time this time not next (laughs) Since this episode is so, like, fucking bleak mm-hmm. and, like, the gray filter is just fucking... <laughs> Everybody's house looks like they don't have the lights on. You yes. can't see the colors of things. <laughs> it, like, triggers my seasonal depression. Yeah, like, leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> we get enough the of this outside. The gray filter isn't real. It can't hurt you. <laughs> Supernatural. Intense gray filter. Anyway, but because of that, um, the one, the fan fiction that Mm -hmm. I picked is a beach episode. (laughs) I love that. We need something, Sunny. 
Um, it's called Baywatch My Ass by Cam, and it's hosted on AO3. It is a Destiel fic, even though that's not a thing for, like, a while. But it does have Andrea and Lucas in it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, so the characters are Dean Castiel, Joe Harvell, which she's not in this either, mm-hmm. but who cares? Lucas Barr, Andrea Barr, and Gabriel also not going to be around for another season or two. <laughs> um, let me read the text. Okay. AU lifeguards, lifeguard Dean, runner Castiel, lifeguard Joe, dehydration, almost drowning, fluff and humor, fluff, alternate universe, beach, tooth rotting, fluff, first kiss, first dates. And the summary is, Dean is lifeguarding for the summer, and he has his eye on a hot blue-eyed jogger that runs by him every morning. His friend Joe tries to encourage him to ask the guy out when they when they aren't saving lives at the beach. Short and fluffy. Which I thought was a nice change mm-hmm. of pace for this episode. I like that fanfic idea, too. It feels so nostalgic to, like, what fanfic was. When I was in high school, it was, like, you take these characters that you're attached to and you create some little fluff story yeah. for them. I like it. Yeah. And, well, I mean, like, their whole thing is, you know, they're so, like, detached from mm-hmm. normal routine. And, like, poor Dean never gets to have a beach vacation. <laughs> I just... Oh. But, yeah. I haven't read this one. I personally like those kind of AUs where they're just like, here are the characters. I'm dropping them in a completely <laughs> different thing is less my thing. Mm-hmm. I prefer case fix. But it just didn't feel right to do that to the boys this time. Yeah. Okay, what out of five will you rate this episode, my friends? I'm going to give it a two beautiful Amy Acker eyelashes. Oh. Oh, Our wet undies. (laughs) Took that a very different way. Yeah. And I'm going to say that because, like I said, I really liked that it did what a serial supernatural mystery should do. We had the research. We investigated the threat rise, we handled it, we had a resolution. I liked that. It set out to do what it wanted to do, mm-hmm. minus the early social commentary. I wish they would have just changed that, but. I give it zero out of five <gasps> wet kisses. I know. And usually I rate things pretty nicely, but I have seen this like three or four times now, this episode. Yeah. And I don't know why, but each time it drops a whole number in rating. And now I'm like, <laughs> just skip it. Just skip it. Give us something more. I give this episode one out of five boat flips <laughs> because I I think it's about equal with episode two and I mm. wouldn't feel right giving it no boat flips. <laughs> it did have one boat flip, it so it's pretty flip. accurate. It had several instances of uh the boys sprinting like their life depended (laughs) on it and those very elegant swan dives that they did off the pier which hope it was deep enough for that yeah and then the mom (laughs) doesn't even jump off she's taking off her clothes instead of her being the one to jump in they tell her not to but she starts taking off her clothes instead of just jumping right in that's fair yeah, oh, she was yeah. a little less worried than me yeah. and Sam were about her own child. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a writer problem. Yes. Like, she was yes. all over the place. They couldn't decide if she was being the damsel or the mom, and mm-hmm. apparently had no idea how to combine those ideas. But anyway, I guess I'll stop ragging on that <laughs> now. 
Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. Contact us on Instagram or Twitter at OTRSupernatural or by email at OnTheRoadWithSupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time at JFK International Airport in Queens, New York.